Let's take our Bibles and let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 9 this morning. 2 Samuel chapter number 9 this morning. I gotta tell you, this is one of those passages of scripture that um, is just kind of hidden. Uh, we know about it, but when we think about stories in the Bible, uh, it's not one that we tend to think about a lot. Normally, we'll really even only read this story if we're going through uh, maybe our Old Testament reading or we're going through a reading uh, throughout the Bible. I know that's how it happened to me. Um, as a few uh, weeks ago, I was, was going through my Bible reading and, and I came upon this passage. And, you know, I know the, the contents of this passage. I know the story. And there's even a song about this passage. And I know that song. My wife will tell you, I, I sang it to her, uh, I was, I was, well, not to her, but I was singing it in, in her presence the, uh, one day, and she's like, what are you singing? And so I told her about the, that song. But that day, I got to tell you, I read this passage, and the Lord just brought out the truth of this passage and the illustration in this passage, and I thought to myself, oh, and the Holy Spirit was just like, yeah, mark it down, boy. Yeah, mark it down. And so uh, I, I started thinking. I said, okay, well, well Lord, okay, yeah, let's, let's, I'll mark it down. Let's preach this. Let's, let's go. Uh, and so I started thinking. I said, well, Lord, uh, I had to preach on a Sunday morning. This would be helpful. This is the perfect message uh, for a Sunday morning. And I said, next chance I get to preach on a Sunday morning, I'm going for it. And so pastor let me know that he'd be out of town. And so I was like, I know just the message. And so I'm excited this morning uh, to preach this message. Uh, it's encouraged me. I hope it'll encourage you uh, this morning. 2 Samuel chapter number 9, verse number 1. The Bible says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may shew him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may shew him the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, You know, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Well, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David answered him, or David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Very powerful illustration this morning. And so this, this morning I'd like us to look at the thought, Grace from the King. Grace from the King. And so let's pray and then ask God to bless this message. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thanks so much for the time, uh, Lord, that we get to spend, um, Lord, in your house with, with your people, Lord, and uh, getting to worship you. We pray that you just uh, be with us now as we enter your word. We pray that you just bless us, that your Holy Spirit would be here, and, um, Lord, that you just meet with us, Lord, and we just be able to leave out of here, Lord, excited and uh, charged up and uh, just thankful for who you are and, uh, and just recognizing the, the worthiness of you, Lord. And so we ask you all these things in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. What are we thankful for this morning? Think about that. What did you come in church this morning thankful for? Before you got in here, before you started singing, 
What were you thankful for? While we were in church, of course, uh, you might have, it's now on your mind that you can't help but be thankful now for uh, the many that, that sacrificed their lives, right? Uh, for, 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 for what has been done, Lord, for the freedom that you, you get to enjoy. No doubt that you're thankful for that. Probably some of us, yes. What are you thankful for? Uh, what did you come thankful for today? Are you thankful uh, maybe that uh, you get to be in church this morning? You get to be in Texas. Good old Texas that doesn't, it's now been unmasked. I told my mom that. I said, Mom, the governor said, no more masks. She's like, what? And she's in the Bahamas, and she can't believe that because that place is locked down. She can't believe that. They're wearing masks still. Uh, they're requiring everyone. Uh, if you work, uh, I think at her work, they're requiring everyone uh, to get tested almost every two weeks, she said. And so to, for her to hear, oh, yeah, you guys are unmasked. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, aren't you glad to be in Texas this morning, right? And so I no doubt we're thankful for that. We're thankful for being in church. We're thankful to worship God. Thankful to be uh, with God's people. I like to, no matter what we're thankful for, I like to, to bring something to your attention this morning. I like to bring you something that you can be thankful for this morning. And that is grace. And not just any grace, but grace from the King. Grace from the King. Because as we look in this passage this morning, we're going to realize something. Grace changes things. Grace changes things. And so when we recognize this, the fact that grace changes things and, and we see this, this, this work of grace from the king in this passage, as we look at the parallel of how that translates to our lives, you know, I think it'll make us extremely thankful. I, th I think it'll, as we recognize that grace that we receive from the, from the king, it'll make us extremely thankful. And so as we talk about grace this morning, I just want to plant this in your mind. I just want to ask you right now uh, to begin, uh, start, uh, start trying to cultivate. Am I thankful for the king, for the, for the, for the grace? Uh, hopefully you're thankful for the king, but are you thankful for the grace that's from the king? Am I thankful for the grace that is from the king? You say, well, before uh, I can be thankful, I got to know what you're talking about. Maybe there may be someone, you know, what are you talking about, grace, the king? What are you talking about? What, explain these terms to me. Well, we know that we've heard the word grace. The, the word grace is all throughout the Bible. And uh, the word grace is used over 200 times in the Bible. And uh, as we've no doubt heard that word, we've maybe heard definitions like grace is God's unmerited favor. Right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's God's unmerited favor. Or maybe we, we know the acronym for grace. You know, the, the, the G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Right? Maybe you've heard that one. Right? It's because of what Christ has done for us that we, that we, we get to enjoy the, the, the riches of God. Right? But as simple as we can define it, I guess we can say this morning that grace is the giving or receiving of something not deserved. The giving or receiving of something not deserve. Not to be confused with mercy. Because you know mercy, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. Amen. And so that grace. Are we thankful this morning for that grace that is from the king? You say, well, who's the king? Clearly you're not from America. We, we have presidents here, man. We don't have kings. Clear, clearly you don't understand what, how things go. I'm not talking about that type of king, my friend. I'm talking about King of kings, Amen. the Lord of lords, that king, the king that we came in here this morning and we sang about. You know, a psalm, the psalmist said in Psalm uh, chapter number 47, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king. For God is the king of all the earth. 
sing ye praises with understanding. And so this morning we came in and what did we sing? Oh, worship the king, all glorious above. Before the throne of God above, the king of glory and of grace. Crown him with many crowns. The lamb upon his throne, that king. Jesus Christ this morning, can I tell you, Jesus Christ is king this morning. John knew this very well as he, as he writes in Revelation and as he is uh, uh, seeing uh, uh, the revelation of God unto him. John writes his description of this king. He says in Revelation, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed, he was clothed with a, a vesture dripped in, dipped in blood, and his name is called, check this, the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smote the, uh, smite the nation, sorry, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of God Almighty. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ is King. Paul knew this. Paul, Paul said uh, uh, when, he, when he wrote in Philippians, uh, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see that Jesus is King, and he's a great king, is he not? He is, he's a great king. From that great king comes great grace. From that great, that great king comes great grace. And so let's look at it. Let's look at our parable, uh, our, really not parable, but our parallel this morning of this grace. All right? In our passage this morning, we see a beautiful illustration of grace from the king, David. In verse number one, we see the inquiry of David. Now, David is king at this time. And he said, the Bible says in verse number one, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may shew him the kindness for Jonathan's sake? So we now we see that David is now predetermined in his heart that I'm going to show kindness. So we see the, the kindness that David predetermined to show. Why? Because there was a kind, kindness that David promised to show. You say, what do you mean? Look in verse number one. He says that he's going to show this kindness for Jonathan's sake. Oh, what does that mean? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter number 20, I'd like, us to, I'd like, to, I'd like to bring us into this reality as, as if this, this, this conversation was happening today, as if this was happening today. In 1 Samuel, we know that David wasn't always the king. He, was, he started off as the little shepherd boy, right? And uh, as Samuel uh, anointed him and says, is this going to be the king someday? And as Saul got to know David a little bit more and more, Saul sought to kill David. And so David runs for his life, and he's always trying to dodge and, and, and duck and hide from Saul. And one day, David comes to Jonathan, and I'd like us to think that this is how this conversation would actually go. And David would come to Jonathan and say, bro, why is your dad always trying to kill me? What, what, why, why, is he, why does he have it out for me? And so Jonathan, oh, no, 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 you got the wrong guy. Not my dad. My dad wouldn't do that. Besides, if, if he were to do that, he'd let me know. And so Jonathan is kind of unbelieving. He's like, wouldn't happen. 
So David starts to kind of convince him. He's like, bro, he's trying to kill me. And it's obvious. And so David uh, starts trying to uh, convince him. He's, he's, he's trying to kill me. And so he convinces uh, Jonathan. And Jonathan says, okay. Okay, I can see it. Okay, okay. Well, let's say he is trying to kill you. Or you propose. And so David hatches a plan. So David says, okay. We normally have the, the dinner. Normally I'm sitting in my place. But let's say that Saul looks at, at my seat and see that I'm missing. Okay, so... I'd like, I'd like for you to then tell Saul, oh yeah, I gave David leave to go, to go. He says, if Saul, if your father, Jonathan, gets mad, you know that he has evil intentions. If he doesn't, then, then you know everything's all good, right? So, we, so we, we, we might have known that story. And so Jonathan says, okay. So David says, and if that happens, please tell me so I can run. <laughs> okay, please let me know so I can be prepared if that happens. And so Jonathan says, okay. I will do this for you, but I have requests. Jonathan says, and we see this in 1 Samuel chapter number 20, in verse number 14, the Bible says, And thou shalt not only while yet I live show me the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, but also that thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one of them from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. So we see that the promise that David is relating to, that covenant that, that David has now promised, okay, for Jonathan, for the sake of Jonathan, I'm going to bestow kindness. And so we see that. So we see as David is inquiring now, as he's trying to fulfill that, that promise, and he's predetermined that he's going to give that kindness, we see now there's the information from Ziba. So Ziba then, and we see his introduction as David is looking, the Bible says, and there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, David said, Are thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. So he says, Okay, are you Ziba? You're, you're the one that is a servant of, of the house of Saul? Yeah, I'm him. He says, Okay, listen, man, I have, I have, I need, I need to show someone kindness. Um, I, have, I have a promise to fulfill, I have a covenant to fulfill. Okay, listen, is there anyone, anyone of the house of Saul that's still around that I can show this kindness to? Ziba starts to think, and he says, Well, Jonathan does have a son. You'll notice that. He says, he has a son in verse number three, which is lame on his feet. Now we'll get to that, but it's very interesting that he pointed that out. And you'll notice David's response. David says, where is he? David didn't care about the fact that he's lame on his feet. He says, well, where is he? Where is this guy? And so we see uh, that information of Ziba and then that in introduction of a man by the name of Mephibosheth. Wow, what a name. What a name, Mephibosheth. I don't think I've ever met anyone named Fibosheth. Hopefully I don't, I don't meet anyone named Fibosheth. Hopefully someone does not do that to their child. What a name, right? Hopefully no one does that to their child. If you know someone named Fibosheth, I, I apologize. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, but what a name. And so we see this introduction of Mephibosheth and as we see this introduction, we start to see now the work of grace in Mephibosheth's life. And we start to now see how grace is going to change Mephibosheth's life forever. And as we see what grace did for him from King David, we will see a parallel of what grace does for us from our King, from our Heavenly King. And so this morning, let's look at four resembling works of grace from the King. Four resembling works of grace from the King. I trust that you have your handouts this morning. When it comes to the works of grace, we see in this passage that, first of all, grace pursues. Grace pursues. 
Now the Bible says in verse number 5, Then King David sent and fetched out of the house of, of Micah, the son of Amiel from Lodabar, uh, Lodabar. So we see that as David learns of someone that he can give grace to, we see that that grace now becomes in pursuit. David now has found someone and he immediately went after him. He said, go and fetch him and bring him to me. And when David found him, that, that, that grace was in pursuit. Likewise, God, can I say God is looking to give grace this morning? He is looking to give grace. You say, well, who is he looking to give grace to? Well, there's a few characteristics about Mephibosheth that I want to point out. First, we see that grace pursues the fallen man. Grace pursues the fallen man. Now, when he mentions Ziba in verse number three, that he was lame on his feet, he was talking about the fact that, that he, his feet, you know, he, he was lame. He's, they're broken or they, they can't move or he's just, they're just useless. They're, they can't do anything. Mephibosheth wasn't always like that. When Saul and Jonathan died at the end of 1 Samuel, in 2 Samuel chapter number 4, in verse number 4, the Bible says, and Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old and he begins to, to tell a story. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And so there's a, there's, a, 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 there's a news that comes that, hey, Saul has died, and so has Jonathan. And the Bible says in that passage, and his nurse took him up and fled. So the nurse realizing that, hey, Saul is dead, Jonathan is dead. Back in those days, if there was a kid that was going to be heir to the throne, it wouldn't have been surprising for someone to kill him. So that nurse realizing this, she says, no, 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 no. I, okay, so we need to flee. So the Bible says, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell. At five years old, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So he wasn't always lame. But because when he was five years old, he, 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 he was a fallen man. You think about that parallel. Because of who he was related to and because of the circumstances around their life and their decision, he fell. What about us? Can I say because of who we're related to? Adam. And what happened in Genesis, in the garden, made us all what? Fallen men. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all of sin, and come short of the glory of God. And so we see, as Mephibosheth's a fallen man, we're also fallen men. But that grace pursues fallen men. Because as that grace pursued Mephibosheth, grace is pursuing us as fallen men. Grace pursues the fallen man. But then I'd like you to also see that grace pursues the far man. Grace pursues the, for, the, the far man. Now you'll notice in uh, verse number four, the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said, long story short, he says he's in Lodabar. So this word Lodabar, I began to start thinking, and I was like, okay, Lodabar, okay. How far is this from Jerusalem? Is, was this very far? And I started trying to look at a map and trying to see some things, and it's not really that far. Not, not in what we know, because we have cars, right? Maybe in that day it was far. But we have cars, and so it's not really that far. And so I started thinking, so Lodabar, what's the significance? So I looked at the meaning. The word Lodabar means no pasture. It means no pasture. No pasture. So, okay, no pasture. So I'm starting to think about this game. Okay. 
what's the significance of this? As I start to stew on this, God brought something to my attention. No pasture. Mephibosheth is living in a land away from the king that's dead. Mephibosheth is living in a dead land. A land that is called no pasture. Switch. We were living in the dead land of sin. Can I say that? That if we're not saved, we're living in the dead land of sin. The Bible says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That which is far. That which is in the dead land. That which is in Lodabar. We see that grace on display. We see that grace pursuing the fallen man, the far man. And can I also say that grace pursued the fearful? The fearful man. I feel bad for Mephibosheth because the Bible says when David fetched him, he's lame at his feet. He can't run. I feel bad for him. He can't. So when he's brought to David, you'll, you have to understand Mephibosheth knows who David is. He knows that David is the king. He's always had an understanding that David is king. And so as these men brought him to David, no doubt Mephibosheth is, is fearful. And you'll notice in verse number 6, what's the first thing he did? He fell on his face. He's fearful. I understand as we switch that parallel, if we're not saved in here this morning, God is a God to be feared. Yes, he's a God that's gracious, but he's also a God that's just. And the consequences of not accepting his son, Jesus Christ, it's not up, but down. The Bible says, I am Alpha and Omega. This is Jesus, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we see the fearful man. Mephibosheth, he's, he's, he's fearful of, of, of King David. How much so should we be fearful if, when we realize that Jesus Christ is king? That, that I have a sin. That, 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 the way, that the wages of that sin is death. How much more should we be fearful than to say, oh, I need to get this taken care of. And so it's, it's that man. The, the fallen man, the far man, the fearful man. That's the, grace that, that's the, that's the man that grace pursued this morning. Grace pursues that type of person. Aren't we that, that type of people? Grace pursues us. Aren't you thankful that God's grace pursues us in that way? Grace pursues. But secondly, I'd like us to see that grace now provides. Grace now provides. Grace has, has pursued. Grace now provides. In verse number 7, the Bible says, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat, at, eat bread at my table continually. So we see here the provision of this grace. So as David has now predetermined that he's going to give grace to someone, he finds someone to give that grace to, he pursues that person, and now he is ready to provide. Likewise, God is willing and ready to provide grace to anyone that will accept it. You say accept it, accept it. The grace of salvation. The grace of salvation. Because it's by grace are ye saved through faith. Not that of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see 
as Mephibosheth comes into the, the presence of David, we see that he recognizes that, no doubt, David's, the realness of David. And you think about it. He knew about David, and he knew that David was king. But now as he's face-to-face -face with this David, all he could do is fall on his face. And when David said, are you Mephibosheth? When David calls him by name, he says, yes, thy servant. Behold, thy servant. Sounds like salvation to me. Behold thy servant. He recognized the king. And he recognized, I need this king. Salvation. Behold thy servant. And so you'll realize that David now will give him grace. And this grace is not based on who he is. This grace is not based on where he was from. This grace is not based on what he could do. But this grace is based on who he is related to. This grace is based on the fact that he is related to Jonathan. And I'm, I'm just saying the gift of salvation will be based on the fact of who we're related to, who we've placed our trust in, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we see, we see this grace. And so here's what this grace is going to provide for Mephibosheth. We see that this grace provided acceptance by the king. Acceptance by the king. So you'll notice that Mephibosheth is fearful in verse number 6. And he says, Behold thy servant in verse number 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will sure, surely show thee kindness. David says, Hey, hey, look here, look at me. You're good here. Hey, you're good. You're, 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 you're good. Because of, who you're, because of who you're related to, you're good. You're accepted here. The, the acceptance of the king. And as we flip that and we think about who we're related to, the Bible says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Amen. We are the accepted in the beloved. So that grace has provided acceptance by the king. Man, I'm okay, I have to stop as I get to this next point. We see that grace also provided access to the king. Grace also provided access to the king. So, I want to point something out to you. Where is Mephibosheth? Where is he, as he's talking to David, where is he right now? The grace that Mephibosheth is experiencing has now allowed him access in the king's palace. That access that he has, he has access to the king's palace. Likewise, my friend, when we get saved and we receive the grace of salvation, we have access. Amen. We have access to the king's palace. Amen. The king's palace, what we know as heaven. Heaven. We have access to the king's palace. You don't know what heaven is? Let me tell you what John said. In Revelation, John said, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of that city was pure gold. As it were, transparent glass, and as I saw no temple therein, for the, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it, and the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all. The gate is always open, let me just say. It shall, it shall not be shut all the day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, 
neither maketh a lie, neither worketh abomination, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life, the access to heaven is, is based on Jesus Christ. It's based on Jesus Christ. And so that, that provision from grace, access to the king, access to the king's palace. But you'll also notice that it's access to the king's provision. Access to the king's provision. So David, now he has access. He's standing in the palace with David. And so now he, David is going to show him here. Let me show you what I'm going to do for you. Because of Jonathan, because of, 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 of your father, let me show you what I'm going to do for you. And will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table. We see that provision. We see the provision of the king that he supplied Mephibosheth's need. Mephibosheth, who was once living in a dead land, is now in the palace. And he has blessings. He has food. And he has provision. But my friend, when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, we now have a king that we can ask and say, hey, Lord, help. And the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We now have access to the king's provision. But we also have access to the king's presence. We see as, as you think about what he tells him, he says, thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. It's my table. Not one of my tables, but my table. And so we see he has access to sit with David and to be in David's presence because of this grace. This grace has provided him now access in the presence of the king. Much more so, my friend, aren't we, uh, when we get saved, we are provided access to the presence of the king. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we can now go to the presence of God. We have access to the king's presence. So we see that this, this grace is on full display. It's, it's providing, man. It's, it's, it's providing acceptance. It's providing access. But thirdly, we see that it provided adoption. It provided adoption. So David says, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. You know, I like to think that the people that's going to be at David's table is his family. He, so, so here's Mephibosheth, someone that was once in a dead land. He's going to come now, and he now has access to sit with the king and eat with his family. You say, well, uh, that happens all the time. That doesn't mean that he really adopted him. That, you know, it, that happens all the time. Guests can sit with family and eat. That doesn't mean that if I, if I invite someone over to my, my, my house and, and invite them for dinner, that doesn't mean that, that I'm adopting them. Yeah, we get that, okay? So David probably knowing this, and he says, to reiterate this, look in verse number 11. As David talks to Ziba, the Bible says, Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that, that my, my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, here's what David said, He shall eat at my table as one of the king's son. David. Sounds like adoption to me. He adopted him. Mephibosheth now, hey, David says, hey, Mephibosheth, you're one of us. You're my son. Buddy, here. How much more, friend, when we get saved, we become adopted by the king. We become a child of, the God, of God. We become adopted. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. We, be, we, are, we are able to be adopted from the king. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent his forth his son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So this grace is on full display. The grace that David has predetermined and he's about to fulfill. 
saw full display. It pursued the fallen man. It pursued that far man, that fearful man, and it provided acceptance. It provided provision. It, it, it provided all that access that comes with it. it provided that acceptance. It provided that, that adoption. God is willing to give out that provision this morning. The grace of God will give us that provision this morning. Are you, are you thankful for the provision of God's grace this morning? Are you thankful for the provision of God's grace this morning? We see also that grace not only pursues, grace not only provides, but grace also produces. Grace also produces. In verse number 8, the Bible says, And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? We see here, as Mephibosheth has felt this grace and has experienced this grace, when Mephibosheth receives this grace from the king, it produces an attitude. It produces a spirit. It produces something inside of him. And likewise, when we receive the, the grace of God, it will produce that same attitude in our lives. Say, so what are you talking about? You'll notice that in Mephibosheth's life, because of this grace that he's now getting to experience, there's now honor for the sovereign. Honor for the sovereign. You think about it. In, in verse number 8, as soon as David said these things, the Bible says, and he bowed himself. There is honor for the sovereign. And Mephibosheth now realizes, yes, God, you are king. But now he sees why he is king. He says, David, honor for the sovereign. Much more, friend, when we receive the gift of salvation, when we receive the grace of God, we say, God, you are so good. Honor. Honor and glory. The Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasures they are and were created. So we see that honor for the sovereign, but what else did that happen? What else? What, else, what, what was another attitude? It was honor for the sovereign, but there was also humility from the servant. There was humility from the servant. You look and you see what he says next. Whew. He bowed himself and he said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. Whoa. This is going to be uncomfortable, but ladies and gentlemen, we're just a bunch of dead dogs. We're, we're just a bunch of dead dogs. You think about what a dead dog represents. If a dog is dead, that dog can't do anything. A dog can't offer you anything. We can't offer God anything. Our, our works are as filthy rags to, to, to God. We can't offer him. We're nothing but dead dogs. Oh. Ooh. That was a little touchy. But it's true. We're nothing in the grand scheme of things. When we feel grace and we, we understand who this king is. When we understand what he provides, that, that, that his grace that he gives to us, that it pursued us. It produces in us to say, you know what, God, you're king. I want to honor you and I want to be humble because I am no one. I am absolutely no one. So we see the product of grace here this morning. Aren't you thankful that grace produces? And uh, we could stop right there and we understand. And we'd say, yeah, boom, that's salvation. But there's more to this. You say, no, there's not more to this. You're done with your, your, you're done with, uh, with your, your passage. There's no, there's no more. There's more to this. 
Mephibosheth experiences the grace that is from the king and it does something to him. It produces, yes, a right attitude. But when we find Mephibosheth later in the Bible, we will realize that grace preserves. Grace preserves. Let me invite you to turn to uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 19. Ten chapters later, 2 Samuel chapter number 19. Ten chapters later. And uh, as you find your place there, we'll be in verse number 24. We see uh, Mephibosheth uh, uh, introduced here in verse number 24. And so we'll read this and then I'll give you some background context and let you know what's actually going on here. And so 2 Samuel chapter number 19 in verse number 24. The Bible says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day that the king departed until the day that he came again in peace. And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest thou not with me? Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he said, and he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For the servant said, I will saddle me and ask that I may ride thereon and go to the king because thy servant is lame. And he hath slandered thy servant unto, the, unto my lord the king. And, but my lord the king is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And David says in verse number 29, The king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. And here's Mephibosheth's response. I really want us to get this. Here's what he says. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take all. For as much as my lord the king is come again in peace unto his own house. This grace that Mephibosheth experiences is still affecting him. So let me give you what's happened in the last 10 chapters. Because we flipped, we, we, we went into the future a little bit, right? So we flipped 10 chapters. Between, in these 10, in this 10 chapters, Absalom comes on the scene. And uh, David, as, as Absalom starts to, 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 to gather the hearts of the people, David sees this and sees this rising and David flees. So David leaves the kingdom. Absalom is now uh, in the kingdom and he's now ruling because the people have, have now appointed him king. And so David goes. Well, in chapter number 14 of 2 Samuel, you'll notice that Ziba comes to David. He meets him while David's not in the kingdom. He goes to David. And David says, where's Mephibosheth? And so Ziba says, oh, well, uh, Mephibosheth decided to stay behind because he thought that, well, if you're not king anymore, then he can be king since he's Saul's son. And so David, David says, okay, well, you can now have the things that... I told Mephibosheth he can have. By the way, that was a lie. That wasn't true. Ziba deceived David. So, so we'll get to that. that. That was a lie. And so as that happened, as David, as, as everything goes on, as, as we see, uh, uh, as Absalom dies and David returns home, and he comes back home, he comes back to Jerusalem. The Bible says as Mephibosheth now comes back and sees David in the palace, Mephibosheth comes to David. And now we see the preserving of grace. Look at it with me in 2 Samuel chapter number 19, verse number 24. We see that when we experience grace, grace should preserve in us a loyalty in the king's absence. 
a loyalty in the king's absence. You say, where did you get that from? You look at verse number 24. Let me explain this. And, Z and Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day that the king departed until the day the king came again in peace. You say, Brother Tron, that's actually gross. <laughs> it's not impressive. You think about it. Mephibosheth is living in the palace with Absalom as king. Mephibosheth says, Absalom, you're not my king. Absalom, I'm not worshiping you. Therefore, Absalom, until my actual king comes back, I'm not serving you. So therefore, Absalom, I'm not changing for you. Absalom, I'm not washing myself for you. Absalom, I'm not doing anything for you. I will only do something when my king returns. We see loyalty in the presence of the king, and that's what, grace, that's what grace does. The Bible says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, and here's what it teaches us. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Amen. That's Mephibosheth. His grace. He felt that grace, and he said to himself, no, Absalom. So much more shouldn't we say, Christian, no, Satan. No world. Absolutely not. I don't serve you, so therefore I won't dress for you. Therefore, I will, not, I will not do anything for you because you are not my king. My king is Jesus, and he's not here, and so I'm going to be loyal to him. We see that application. We see a loyalty in the king's absence. And we also see that longing for the king's return. That longing for the king's return. So in verse number in verse number 25, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And here's what Mephibosheth said. And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. So, so David, I wanted to come. David, I wanted to come. You'll, you'll notice that when you came back home... I came right away because I heard that you were back. I wanted, there was a longing in Mephibosheth's heart for the return of the king. And so much so, ladies and gentlemen, as, as we recognize our king, as he's coming back, isn't there a longing for his return? Isn't there a longing for his return, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ? Amen. We, see, we see that grace, that grace preserved a loyalty in the king's absence. We see that grace, it preserved a longing for the king's return. Prepare to be convicted. Because man, this gets me. We now see a love for the king's presence. A love for the king's presence. You'll notice... And as Mephibosheth started to explain himself, he says, David, oh, I, I got deceived, and, and you know I wouldn't do this to you. David says in verse number 29, the king said unto him, why, thou, why speaketh thou any more of thy matters? I have said, thou and Ziba divide the land. Okay, so I don't want to hear anything more about this. Fine. Okay, I told Ziba that he can have the land, but divide the land. Y'all work it out. Divide the land. Mephibosheth said, well, David, you're not hearing me. I don't care about the land. I don't, I don't care about, I care about you. You look at verse number 30. He says, And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let, let him take all. I don't care about the land. He says, For as much as my lord the king is come again in peace. He says, All I care about, David, is that you're on the throne. All I care about, David, is that you are here. All I care about, David, is you. Because guess what that means? He knows in his mind that he can still come to the king. He knows in his mind he can still have provision from the king. He knows in his mind he can still 
come into the presence of the king because David said what? Continually. So, so, so likewise as, as, as us, we know it doesn't matter what we get in this world. Amen. We know that this world is not our home. We know that when, when that we serve a God who we have his presence still. We know that we serve a God that we are accepted by still. We serve a God that we are adopted by still. We serve a God that we love. No matter what happens in this life, we love. We love him. And so Mephibosheth, you see this principle in Mephibosheth's love, in Mephibosheth's life. He loved David because David first loved him. And so Mephibosheth, I don't care. Let him have the land. I don't care about the land. I care about you. I want you here. You're, you're here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, right. he's coming again. Ladies and gentlemen, let's be loving him. Let's be loving his presence. Let's be loving the fact that we can go to him. When we experience the grace of God, it not only changes us, but it preserves us. It preserves us. Praise the Lord this morning for his grace. Praise him for his grace. Because you'll notice that even men like John Newton understood this. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Praise the Lord for his grace this morning. Because the Lord's grace, the grace that comes from the king, that grace pursues. It pursues the fallen men. It pursues the far men. It pursues the fallen. That grace, it provides. It provides acceptance. It provides access, by the way, to heaven. It provides access to provision. It provides access to the king's presence. And that grace, it should then produce in us, God, your king, I want to serve you. I'm just a dead dog. Lord, I want to serve you. And that grace then preserves us in the absence of the king, it preserves us, and it makes us long for the, for the return of the king, and it makes us love the presence of the king. Amen. Woo! Amen. Man! Praise the Lord for his grace this morning. Amen. Amen to that. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to praise the Lord for his grace this morning. Amen. You say, what do you mean? As we enter the invitation this morning, I want, I want to invite you to praise the Lord. I want to invite you to maybe come up here or maybe at your seat say, God... Thank you for your grace. As we're in the, in the mode of being thankful for Memorial Day weekend, let's be thankful for the grace also that comes from God. Let me invite you to thank God for his amazing grace. And of course, there may be someone that has never even experienced or never even accepted this amazing grace. Let me invite you to accept that amazing grace this morning as well. Because why? When grace is in the picture, grace changes things. But you'll notice it not only changes things, it changes us. It changes us. Are you thankful for the grace that is from the king this morning? Let's go ahead and pray.